Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. And now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host, and I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. Thank you for joining us. We're excited to have you in today, and there is a lot to talk about. Um, first of all, let me tell you how to plug in with us. You can go to thehousinghour.com. You can find our show, current shows, past shows. We'd love for you to share those with friends and family. You can also, of course, go to Facebook. You can go to facebook.com slash thehousinghour, and you can find us there. You can go on to Twitter. Um, we're at uh, at the housing hour and we are on LinkedIn for the professional out there that might want to connect with us. And Mark is also on Pinterest as well. Always Pinterest, always on Pinterest. He loves to pin and, 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 you know, frankly, so do I, you can check mine out. If you'd like Just search for me there in the search button, we'd love for you to do that. Um, MIG, by the way, mortgage investors group also has a Spotify account for your playlist playlist pleasure. You can listen to a variety of different moods and genres, you know, anything that you'd like, go check it out. We need to create a Spotify account as well, something that we'll consider doing. So um, we have with us our special guest, um, Yvonne Kautz. Thank you for coming back in, first of all. Always a joy to be here with you. Yes, and she is the tax cat. She's the professional. She provides services to um, everyone uh, in the area, you can serve other people out of state or can, is it just Knoxville, Tennessee or in the t- state of Tennessee or actually it's all over the globe. I was so, just talking to oh. Afghanistan last night. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> wow. So like a, a service person that might be stationed in Afghanistan or an actual Afghani. Or no. a Taliban. <laughs> oh, right, exactly. <laughs> no, definitely our uh, United States Armed Forces. Gotcha. Uh, so they would be citizens, but they might be positioned outside of the country. Correct. Gotcha. That's cool. That's awesome. Well, Yvonne has helped us. She's been on several shows. We've talked about tax planning. We've talked about uh, how it is that um, those rules that came out a couple of years ago might affect you. We've talked about a variety of things like resolutions, um, tax resolutions, and how to um, navigate that very, very uh, sometimes difficult process. That was our latest show with her that you can find. I'll link it here below for you to find it on thehousinghour.com. So we've had her doing a a variety of things for us. Today, we've decided to tackle, um, for those who don't know much about it, and that would be me included, uh, the cryptocurrency. Um, The most popular one, I would assume, is Bitcoin. But the cryptocurrency, um, which is the kind of the currency that's out there that's not a currency that you might, current state, be able to go down to Weigel's, but that could be something in the future There are some interesting things that I'm going to have Yvonne tell you about. Um, But let's first do this, if you don't mind. Um, I have just a basic knowledge of what exactly Bitcoin is, how it works. And I also understand that Bitcoin is the currency, but then blockchain is another piece of the equation and how the ledgers work and so forth. Can you just give us maybe just a quick overview of Bitcoin? the the, the currency that we're talking about and how it relates to us today. Absolutely. Uh, So virtual currency, which um, many people will call crypto as well, uh, is an interesting, unregulated, completely unregulated. It's not controlled by any 
central bank. There's no reporting for it. Um, <clears throat> so it's just, uh, it's out there and uh, obviously gaining in popularity. Virtual? Um, virtual? Mm-hmm. I had not yes. heard about that. Is that how you buy VRM games like for your Oculus? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, what is, what is this? So you actually buy it uh, like um, it, the way that the IRS looks at it is it's property. So you are trading U.S. dollars to buy a coin, so to buy the Bitcoin mm-hmm. uh, or any other type of okay. virtual currency. So uh, I got you. I was thinking that was a separate currency from crypto. I apologize. Or from, from Bitcoin, rather. I got you. So the cryptocurrency, you're talking about the overall genre of virtual currencies. Gotcha. Okay. I'm on the same page. Correct. I think uh, most people who deal with it will call it crypto, but the IRS refers to it as virtual currency. Ah, Mm -hmm. gotcha. Okay. So they have a specific name for it. But anyway, so uh, you can take your USD and trade it in, uh, you know, buy actual Bitcoin. And uh, that happens on exchanges. You Is it uh, a physical thing? Because, you know, no. it's not a physical thing. No. So it's not a it's not made of gold. It's a virtual currency. Coin. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And you can even actually um, buy some at ATM machines. Uh, that's also places where you can get it instead of just uh, buying it on an exchange like you would mm-hmm. a stock exchange. There's actual vir- virtual currency exchanges out what are there. they what would some if they went to an atm are they just going to get a piece of paper paper or are they going to get like a virtual you got it i mean how do it goes <laughs> into their digital wallet oh the mm. wallet where uh the coins are folks stored. jesus is coming soon <laughs> that's all i got <laughs> to say go ahead i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you no no worries uh so um <clears throat> there's lots of different ways and then there's different coins as well. So you could start with Bitcoin and then you can trade it for other types of coins that are available out there. Mm-hmm. And how it gets recorded is there is a ledger out there, uh, the blockchain, and these transactions are recorded. Mm-hmm. So if you went to the ATM to buy it, your transaction has to be recorded. Right. Mr. Griffith, if you went to Starbucks, which Starbucks is one of the merchants this year that is uh, going to be offering uh, Bitcoin, you know, to accept it. And you go and you buy the coffee with the Bitcoin. All those transactions have to be recorded. And there are uh, uh, people out there called uh, miners who actually uh, take care of booking those transactions. This is where I lose my understanding of it. So go ahead. I'm very, this is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Go, right, go right ahead. Indeed. It is quite interesting. Uh, so the miners actually record each and every one of those digital transactions. Mm-hmm. So whether you're buying coin, you are purchasing something with it, those transactions are getting uh, recorded into the ledger. And as miners, like QuickBooks or something similar, except <laughs> okay. it's the, the biggest thing with virtual currency is it's uh, encryption. Uh, so these guys and ladies are, you know, out there, you know, booking in these transactions, working with the encryption uh, that um, is, uh, you know, part of it, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the IRS's opinion about um virtual currency uh, is coming to the forefront and they are looking at its taxability and also 
uh, the reporting of it. So go ahead, Mark. Well, I, I don't understand something. What's the value? Why would you trade one U.S. dollar for uh, – what's the exchange rate? Well, let me let, – okay, before you answer that, because – the one thing for you to know out there, we only have about three minutes left in the segment, but one thing that you need to know out there is that Bitcoin ha- doesn't have a long history of representation like, for instance, a U.S. currency or even any currency. So there's only so much data that they have that will tell you what the value of it is. Because as an example, if you owned Bitcoin back on December 15th, of 2017, it was worth $19,650 per one Bitcoin. Okay. One, the very next day, yeah, it went down substantially. And yeah. I'm talking about it lost. This is the literally, crash. yes, it was the crash in 2017. Now it's back up in that $9,000 range today, that $9,339.23. But what happened if you owned it at 19000 right. So now your one Bitcoin is only worth 9000 instead of 19000 Now, with that being said, you could have bought it back on April 22nd, or no, uh, April 28th for $1,300. So it was a big gamble ride up, and you could have made a lot of money, but the ride down really was kind of sucky. If that's a no, technical it, it, term. So, so is any investment. Exactly. Like exactly. some of the EJs that you've, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Anyway. So I just wanted to interject that because. I'm glad you did. Because back to the, uh, on the transactions and, and the ledger, that's what I want to dig more into in the next segment. And even the last minute we have, everyone has these computers that are tied together. And it's basically like a one, it's a ledger that all these computers have tied these transactions together. And each one of those you know, block each one, like, I guess that each one of those transactions creates a blockchain. Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. Can you go into more detail if you have it? <laughs> I mean, I think for the common listener, they don't understand what a blockchain is and then what a ledger is virtually and then how someone mines that. I mean, I have a superficial understanding of it, but can you go in a little more depth? I would say the best, um, analogy that I could give is I say you work for a credit union and the credit union for every transaction that you make on your debit card is recording those transactions. So that's the same thing that is happening inside the blockchain is Mm -hmm. every single transaction from all these different folks, not just a member of the bank. You know, if you were at the credit union, not just that it is all over the world. Okay. So if somebody were wanting to go into, we only have 15 seconds left, but the difference, the biggest difference I think is if somebody wanted to hack that credit union, all they would need to do is get through their firewall. A cryptocurrency, it'd be more difficult because they'd have to hack all of the people that are mining it. Guys, this is already amazing. And we're going to continue down this line of conversation talking about cryptocurrency with Yvonne Kautz with Five Star Holdings. We'll be right back. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. 
I'm coming in hot here, and I'm excited to have you with us today on the Housing Hour. Have a very interesting topic that we are discussing, and it's something that I think you would be interested in too. Um, we're talking about cryptocurrency, and I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host, as well as Yvonne Kautz uh, with Five Star Holding. We're excited to have her in studio with us, MIG Studios. We're talking about this very foreign uh, to many people, cryptocurrency. And some people are, I think, more in tune with what it is than others. I think Mark and I might be on the others part. I'm not sure that we're... Well, we started seeing it, right? Yeah. Um, Several years ago, before Mm -hmm. the bust, before it fell apart. We started seeing it as income and things, people reporting it to us on mortgage loans. So that's where we came to it about three or four years ago. Right. And one of the things that Yvonne was... Uh, explaining in the previous segment, which was the mining aspect of this, which the miners were not talking about people going out looking for Bitcoin in a faraway Af- or I mean African country inside of a physical mine. We're talking about a computer that has a, a very strong computing power that they are running these calculations to verify transactions on any given ledger. The more time, the more computing power, the more time they have to work on it, the more mining they can do, and the more wax seals they can put on blockchains, the more money that they make, right? Yes, they earn Bitcoin Mm -hmm. uh, as a reward for booking the transactions. Yeah, I mean, so... Here's a question, and this is going to go, for those out there listening, we apologize. This may go in a lot of different directions, but because this particular question, one Bitcoin is worth $9,000. So is, is, are people able to be paid? And the answer to this, I think, is yes, but um, it has to be broken down into one-eighths and seven-eighths. I mean, it can't be just one Bitcoin. Correct. You have decimals going decimals. on with you yes. know, the various amounts okay. that match to the transaction. That answers your question. Well, not kind of, because your question was, why would somebody want just one Bitcoin like you can only spend it one at a time? Can I get changed for this one Bitcoin? I didn't understand why. Me either. Why not just use U.S. dollars? Why, why do the Bitcoin thing at all? Right. Even if you get a fraction of it. But yeah. I think I understand now with the deregulation in the past, mm-hmm. but things have changed. That's exactly that, correct. That's what I'm thinking that I'm hearing from. That's that's correct. Mm. The IRS has started to pay more attention to it. The first guidance that they ever issued on crypto was back in 2014. Wow. So it was the that year. And then the new guidance on it took five years to put together. So it was over this last summer, the summer of 2019, that they issued new guidance with regard to the tax treatment of uh, Bitcoin and virtual currency, you know, obviously in general. Uh, So they are paying an immense amount of attention to it. And there is a question on all tax returns this year that each taxpayer must answer. And that is uh, actually an interesting worded question. At any time during 2019, did you receive, sell, send, exchange, or otherwise acquire any financial interest in any virtual currency. And each person answering that question on the tax return is doing so under perjury. Wow. Yeah, because there are different websites that you can go to. And I think of, um, like, if you're a gambling person, like Mark and I, Mark told me about this, this is how I know about it. Um, <laughs> I did not. <laughs> but if, if, you, if you gamble, you know, and you go to a gambling site, for instance, 
then you have the ability to pay through cryptocurrency. Just like you now have the ability to go, I think you said Nordstrom's was one of those. Yes, there's quite a list. Um, yeah. So yeah, tell us what, tell us, give us some highlights of the. Sure. Uh, so this is obviously not an all-inclusive list, uh, but uh, one that I found uh, on companies who are uh, accepting uh, virtual currency, AT&T, Starbucks as of uh, 2020, Nordstrom, Whole Foods, Overstock, Amazon, Subway, KFC, located in Canada, Microsoft, <laughs> Intuit, Sorry. Uh, uh, which is the makers of TurboTax as well as QuickBooks, uh-huh. Wikipedia, Namecheap, Cheap Air, Expedia, Virgin Airlines, New Egg Computer Supplies, and several other ones. Yeah. So, for instance, it, you said um, KFC in Canada. So if you try to go get your Southern fried chicken north of the border, you can pay with Bitcoin. But if you go down, you're, you're not going to be able to. <laughs> but I think it's interesting because Starbucks, as an example, I use Starbucks a lot. I have the app. So I reload my card with American dollars. I take money out of my checking account and I apply it to my card and I pay for coffee as I need it. All that the difference would be, I'm assuming, would be that you would have this this other uh, ability to go out and charge your virtual wallet up with this Bitcoin virtual currency. So then I would assume that there would be some way that I could say, rather than reloading my card with U.S. dollars, I could reload my card with Bitcoin. And then their menu would be displayed in such a way that it would say it would cost you .0189 for a coffee, right? That's what I would anticipate seeing, yes. And that's interesting to me. And the reason, okay, so here's a question for us all. Why would someone want to pay for their Starbucks with Bitcoin? That's my question. And it's a good question. I'm not sure I have an answer for that. (laughs) Right. Well, here, I'll give you a suggestion. Well, I've got another question. Go ahead. Um, on On the questions that IRS asks on the tax return, what are they wanting to know? What are they looking for? I mean, if. If I buy something, it looks like they're looking for, if you've dealt in this in some capacity, we want to know. What do they want to know? Well, actually, I think it goes back to FinCEN, which is the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, which watches all of the monetary movement throughout the uh, world. So obviously, they're looking for terrorism and funding um, underground activities, illegal activities, things like that. So I think, uh, you know, the original uh, draw to it was with regard to FBAR reporting, which is foreign bank account registration uh, that um, uh, is has been around for years that you need to report any uh, accounts that you may have in foreign countries outside the United States. So uh, with this being a virtual situation, I think uh, it originally would have started there in which to watch the money movement. So there's already, I mean, you know, that if someone goes and deposits $10,000, I believe, right. in a U.S. bank, there's some kind of trigger that happens, right? That the bank is required to then report that um, as activity. And I don't know how, what the follow-up mechanism is there, but I would assume it's it's some sort of, um, automated algorithm of some kind. I don't know. Um, so in this case, something that would be triggered, what I would assume be a specified Bitcoin amount. One Bitcoin's almost nine thousand. You know, 
So is there triggers that, that um, I guess, notify the authorities that there's been activity? And, and I guess you wouldn't, I mean, you may know. Do they report that to the IRS who then puts a flag in your account or something like that maybe? Are you speaking of the, the bank's? Well, let's say no, or not, the no, not necessarily virtual currency, right? Because I'm assuming that virtual currency, like Bitcoin, you know, in order for Bitcoin to be able to be traded on U.S. soil, which we have the we have the right as a sovereign nation to, you know, govern what's traded on, in our borders, and that's what's happening is Bitcoin's being traded. So we have the right to legislate it. So there has to be an, uh, some sort of oversight to this currency because there's, there could be a lot of manipulation occurring. So what you, you were saying, I think was that there's these agencies, if you will, that are monitoring the activity of Bitcoin transactions. And I mean, we probably don't know how they use that information, but if you have a bunch of activity and then they get their 10, your 1040 and you say, no, no, then that could be potentially a trigger for an audit potentially. Correct. So the IRS was on a mission uh, this past summer, and they sent what they call education materials uh, to those mm-hmm. that they are aware who oh, have that's, virtual that, It's currency. education material so at first. education materials to let you know that it is a taxable event and should be on your tax returns. Mm. So they, but there's no reporting. Of that no, expenditure through the blockchain. So correct. these entities don't know, government agencies, so they're relying oh. on you to report it. It is a self-reporting mechanism, which that is true about That's our tax system in general, yeah. uh, is um, that, uh, you know, we have an at-will tax system that, uh, you know, it is at-will to file and definitely want to file and make sure that we stay compliant with that requirement. Mm-hmm. So now the IRS is looking at virtual currency very closely and educating taxpayers that it should be on their returns and accounted for. And they do put that burden on the taxpayer to provide that data and information. Wow. I mean, that's so amazing because I think we had Tom White on. Um, he was an appraiser slash a renaissance man. But there's a lot of information that we've talked about thus far that deserves more exploring so if you're out there i mean hey go look at the ted talks that have been given on blockchain and cryptocurrency you can listen to our last two segments we're probably going to unpack most of the answers here on the housing hour of course but it's very interesting to understand the ram not ramifications but the consequences good and bad to this stick with us we'll be right back Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host. I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host, as well as Yvonne Kautz from Five Star Holdings. We'll have her information on the post that you can find on thehousinghour.com. We'd love for you to go there and visit our website and look around. There's all kinds of things that you can discover. I think you could share it with friends and family, probably make some new friends and maybe family by sharing our information 
um, with others. It's a great source of a treasure trove of information that we've collected um, over the last eight, nine years. And I'd uh, love for you to go and mine it. Uh, you're not going to be able to get Bitcoin from that. But um, we are talking with Yvonne about Bitcoin, which is a cryptocurrency, virtual currency, as the U.S. calls it. Um, there's other um, uh, virtual currencies as well. Uh, well. The one that we're focusing on just at this moment is Bitcoin. I did notice that there's something called Bitcoin Cash. Now, I'm assuming that's just a different virtual currency, or do you know? I, I honestly didn't even know about it. Not specifically, since yeah. more of my knowledge is in uh, the taxation mm-hmm. and how it's handled in tax returns. Yeah, because that was interesting that you could toggle and you could look at the other you know currencies and Bitcoin Cash was at like three hundred dollars per Bitcoin. And you know what we don't have time to get to on this show, but maybe we would in future shows is what drives the value and the devaluation of this currency. Because I noticed that we've seen a little curvature similar to the stock market with the um, coronavirus and, and the other things that are happening. So it, it appears just from a prima facie standpoint that there could be something to that. Um, whereas the U.S. dollar, I don't know that it ebbs and flows as uh, violently, if you will. Um, and as a matter of fact, and this is where I wanted to go quickly on this next segment, because you had asked the question, why do people use you know, Bitcoin. And I have the same question, right? So when you look at the rate of return, it's very, um, it's a gamble, but as an example, your, your, uh, one month return, you have to understand that they had the coronavirus in here is five is still 5% to the good, right? Your three month return is 33.5%. That's a, that's a, I mean, so I put a hundred, I put a hundred thousand dollars in it three weeks ago. What's it worth today? You tell me, hundred thousand, thirty three percent. That's one hundred and thirty three thousand. It's now worth thirty. So, then you take that money and you reinvest it. I mean, so I I, and I don't know that this answers the question because I still don't understand it. But I think that there is a pursuit for making money. So, so that's a there's a question that he just brought up. If I purchase bitcoins or a virtual currency mm-hmm. with a u.s dollar right am i being charged a premium for buying that uh so if if i'm whatever yes so there's a charge for that like mm-hmm. a, a stock trade is on you know with yeah, yeah there there's i mean there, does that make sense yeah because if you went right now and bought silver on the right stock exchange or wherever you buy that from the yeah. you're gonna pay, you're gonna pay a premium to a you know, like a person who handles that, right? Yes, you can buy it from an exchange, and I would expect to see a fee there. Right. Just like any, you know, if you go to any type of day trader account, you're going to be charged. But it, the other thing that I was looking at is the one-year um, rate of return. Right. What would you guess that it is? And it doesn't matter. 15%. No, it's 148%. <laughs> So, so then now we're so talking now we about, talk about traders that yeah. you buy this instead of Apple stock. Yeah. But that still doesn't answer the question. And I'm sure that there's somebody at home sitting at their computer, um, that is saying, guys, you're missing the point, not you guys, but Kevin, you're missing the point. This is why we do it. And boom, 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 boom. Because like, why are you using it for Starbucks? I mean, it's like, well, if you just wanted to graduate into Bitcoin in the hundred percent, well, yeah, you'd want for more companies to come on board so that you didn't have to keep exchanging it, I guess. I don't know. So, okay. So he brings up a great question. If the, if it's growing at this rate of return, at what point 
do I have to pay Uncle Sam mm. when I use it? If I'm a day trader in stocks, so yeah. so explain to me at what point if I buy it and it's only worth a thousand bitcoins, but next week it's worth ten thousand bitcoins. Do I have to pay capital gains on that? Yes. So the way that the IRS looks at it is it is property, mm. just like you were saying, oh, yeah, that's right. you know, Apple stock, the, the uh, virtual currency is treated the same way. So all transactions uh, are uh, worked up in the return as Schedule D transactions, and they appear on Form 8949, and all of those capital gains are calculated there. And then, of course, you have your difference between short-term and long-term. When did you buy it? Oh, my god! And is it over one year and one day to get long-term treatment? If it isn't, then it's short-term. So then all that, with regard to the capital gain, is writing on what is your taxable income. So. Yeah. And so for somebody who is being given educational material instead of audit notices, maybe that does that the carrot and the stick on that situation for most, uh, some, maybe a few people, that's not going to entice them to, to report. I'm talking about the branch of our, of our citizens that don't do things legally. Most people do things the right way. And frankly, they would want to know and be educated. And that's partly why we do this show, because we want people to understand what, what the law is and what the enforcement is. Right. Right. So, so that asks another question, Mm -hmm. then can you invest this or buy it within a say Roth uh, IRA so where it grows tax free, you know. So during yeah, the day right, trader right, years, right? That's a good question. Go, go back to the day trader years when stock market was people were day trading, but then you had to pay the Kevin, taxes. Kevin, buy, buy EJ, buy EJ. Yeah. So he he was made some really bad decisions. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, did you at least get some stock losses out of that? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. He learned a lot. Yeah. Yes. But, but the the question is, we had to sell you, our house. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's joking. But can you protect it within a an IRS protected investment strategy? Yeah. I am not certain of that. I've never looked at it from that avenue. I'm not sure if you can house it inside of a brokerage account. You can gold. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is true. This is true. I don't know. Uh, but uh, that's um, a, well, that's a question. We'll we'll put it in the. Well, I, I, I do want to give a shout out to uh, my favorite cryptocurrency sailor who uh, lives north of us. And I think it would be something to uh, ask him if he would join us on a show yeah. and give Love more uh, detail about it since my focus is really the tax of it. Okay. Yeah, uh, but, that'd be um, cool. We, we will have to ask that sailor uh, if he would join us. So uh, we'll need to learn more, too, about the IRAs because like I just pulled up this ram- random article, but it talks about Bitcoin. This is from Investopedia, and it says Bitcoin IRAs allow for investing in various cryptocurrencies using retirement savings. Bitcoin IRAs act as self-directed IRAs provided by a few financial institutions in the United States that allow alternative investments for retirement savings. So I think it's similar to, hey, I want to invest in use my IRA. I want to invest in gold or I want to invest in silver. Gold may have graduated into the normal. I don't know, but yeah, right. I I think that this would fall under that idea. And then the question Roth IRAs, if you're doing Roth IRAs or what about 401ks, I bet you that they have their hands in everything, right? I think that you could potentially 
do any of in all of those investments. Yeah, Very f- interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. the 401ks are typically controlled by the corporate world, and they're not going to put their employees at risk of doing that and, right. and having that in there. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. so it would probably be more on the personal side of a raw. Can you see that memo coming out from the president? <laughs> we thought this was a great idea, but you have no retirement left. You know, because it went down by exactly. literally 100% in, in a couple of days. So if you had, because I remember you, yeah. you had a lot of people back when that for when that happened in 17 that it just went off of the cliff and you know mm-hmm. it actually um sustained itself and it's bounced back not to where it was but it has a little more stability today than it has but interesting but yes yeah, so. extremely interesting and to know that it's self-directed the tax rules on self-directed IRAs are really really interesting and they are extremely finite in their rules so it would be interesting to read more about that yeah. I've not spent any time on it uh, but um, you know to see how they've got that structured that you could buy it within their um, and but the self-directed rules may be uh, extremely limiting. Right. on what you can do with it and how long you can own it, different things that come along, different stipulations that come along with self-directeds. Right. So I did read something, and, and this would make sense to me, because if you are a custodian of an IRA, right, you have certain responsibilities to the investor and also the investment in terms of regulation and so forth. So I think, like I was reading if you did go with an alternative investment and it falls under that and you decide that you want to put that risk out there and man and use that IRA, then there's going to be different for that custodian. There's going to be different responsibilities. They're not going to have as much of a responsibility to you, right? In terms of that's kind of what it was saying here. It says such Bitcoin IRA accounts are covered by custodians who manage self-directed accounts and allow for virtual currencies to be among the required alternative investments. However, the custodians may not have any fiduciary responsibility to the investor for such investments. That's very interesting to me. And in our last segment, we'll tackle a couple other subjects, but just the whole idea of cryptocurrency, this has been very educational. Come right back. We'll be right back right after these messages. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. This has been an extraordinary hour, if I might say so myself. Uh, We have in studio with us Yvonne Kautz with Five Star Holding and as well uh, Mark Griffith, who is not with Five Star Holding. He's with MIG, but he's the executive producer, co-host, extraordinaire and he was holding it down for me while I was at Disney World not too long ago. Um, and what an amazing trip. I'll tell you what, guys, if you are going to try to ride the rise of resistance, I'm, you, I'm better, going. you better come with some crypto because <laughs> it is a no joke. It's a no holds bar. So anyway, we do have Yvonne in with us, and we've been discussing cryptocurrency, and we've been talking about blockchain, and we've been talking about mining the blockchain, and making money from that and who are those people 
how do they do their job, whether or not it's taxable or not. You know, the currency of uh, Bitcoin is the one we've been focusing on and the value of that currency has just went, you know, up and down and up and down. And one year ago, it was, it's had 150% return in the last 12 months. But if you had it, if you were holding it in early 2017, uh, you saw a huge drop off. So it's just a very volatile um, exchange and it's a very risky proposition for some. And I was explaining in the last segment that there may be people out there that are saying, Hey, Kevin, you're missing the point here. This is why we do it. This is what the future looks like. I'm, I'm interested in hearing that, but we're trying to look at just sort of the holistic kind of um, examples of what this affects taxation wise. If we have a trader that we might get on, or maybe even a minor, minor ER minor, um, we'd love to talk more about that as well. Um, so anyway, Yvonne and I and Mark were talking off air in the between segments about the mining part of it and the fact that it's like you're being you're self-employed, right? Yes, that's correct. So any amounts that are earned as a reward of booking transactions on the blockchain are then have to be converted to USD and reported to, uh, you know, the IRS on a Schedule C. So you have your income from booking the transactions because that is an independent business activity. You're not a W-2 employee. So it is essentially what people would look at as 1099 income. Then from there, you are able to take eligible expenses that you may have, um, i.e., obviously, you got to have a certain type of computer, computer right. uh, to do it, uh, as well as likely a business use portion of your internet mm-hmm. service. And if you qualify, if you have a qualifying home office, you may, in fact, have that deduction as well. But you must meet all four qualification tests in order to use the home office. So it's very important to note that obviously Schedule C income, whatever the net is at the bottom, so you have your top line income less all your expenses, that bottom line is subject to not only your regular tax bracket, but it is subject to self-employment tax at 15.3%. I don't understand. Uh, So if they're getting paid in Bitcoin, or whatever the virtual currency is, is there an IRS-approved exchange rate in order to convert it to U.S. dollars to put on the the Schedule C? The taxpayer must provide that data. Uh The the educational material that comes out (laughs) helps them with that. But Correct. So, okay, so they are receiving money, income, because they're booking these transactions on the blockchain, and then they receive that money through Bitcoin, they're going to require themselves to self-report that to the Schedule C on the 1040. There's not a 1099 that's being sent by an employer. Who is the employer? Is it so? Is it why? Well, right, I know, but I'm saying who's paying them. And and the, I was sort of asking that to say the person that is paying them is everyone in the blockchain. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a incremental percentage of the ex, of the ledger um, transaction. Right. So that's part of what we talked about earlier about is there a fee? You know, there is and I bet you it's not much, but there is an incremental. I'm sure there is a a fee associated with it. So that person has to self-report it. Right. The minor. That's correct. So like, you know, when it is actually earned Mm -hmm. that you would use the exchange rate 
you know, for that specific transaction on that specific day. Mm -hmm. And so you have a large spreadsheet and there are some new companies that do help with it. One in specific that I've seen in use is Zen Ledger, uh, where you can enter in all of your transactions and it will report or produce the reporting needed for the IRS, such as a Schedule D and then, of course, Forms 8949 to report those transactions. Well, let's say you have a CAD as a minor, and he's just going to lie, and he puts out there on the Schedule C something that's grossly under what he earned. Is there what mechanism would IRS have to go, I mean, because you would see this, is there a mechanism for IRS to go, look at data somewhere on his computer file or is this just okay he he got us what i would say and i will always say is uncle sugar knows all oh yeah exactly forgot about uncle sugar (laughs) (laughs) uncle sugar knows all and they have um sharing agencies Mm. that give them information in which to uh reach the taxpayers that's what happened with the educational material over the summer Mm. is the irs is allowed to use all sources to find out information on infer, on income that is taxable because by our laws all income worldwide is taxable so they are simply enforcing that and they are able to get the information yeah because so. i mean the, the way i look at it as you've explained it is that the cryptocurrency by and large is business as usual as it relates to the irs they look at well, you're, you're, you're making income. We need to know what that income is because in our tax laws, it's very clear that you are going to be taxed this amount depending upon your tax rate. And that goes back to the 1040, what you've already done, what your deductions are, all of that, everything. I mean, there are obviously specific laws about a Bitcoin income and, you know, what they call virtual uh, currency income, but it's, it's taxed like anything else. I mean, there's not a different tax rate, in other words, for income uh, mining than there is for me if I was a professional football player. Correct. Right. It Correct. just depends on your tax rate. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because you're going to pay your uh, nominal tax bracket, your regular tax bracket, and then also it's subject to self-employment tax to record for Social Security and Medicare. That's your pay-in for that. The you know self-employment tax represents mm-hmm. you know the full percentage. You know when you're working for someone else on a W two, that employer is paying one half of the Social Security and the Medicare, and you have the other half deducted as you are oh, paid. Yeah, 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 yeah. But now with self-employment tax, yes. and you're, you have independent income, then you are responsible for the entire 15.3% plus your regular tax bracket. Yeah. So you have to count both sides of the equation, and oftentimes that gets missed. Yeah, because if you're someone that's self-employed and you're not reporting your income, you're um, – your retirement's going to be affected technically because you're you're going to receive social security and if that's how your retirement planning has been going and you know that you have paid this much in i'm assuming that if you haven't been reporting your you know this happens all the time with different industries you get to 
you know, your retirement age. And they're like, well, you've not, I don't know. Can they trace it back to that level of what you've paid over time? Is that how it works? I don't know. There's an explanation of benefits that the IRS keeps, uh, excuse me, the Social Security Administration keeps with regard to the information they get from the IRS on the income that was reported Ah. and taxes paid for that particular taxpayer. Gotcha. But my focus that I always make sure to mention to people is that it is not about the end of the rainbow Mm. with regard to a retirement check it is about disability Mm. that anyone can become disabled at any time and all of us paying into the social security administration we would be down there to sign up for our eligible benefit Mm -hmm. and if there is no income or taxes paid on record then the benefit would be a big goose egg yeah oh wow so let me ask you this question let's say mark uh, purchased a year ago, uh, Bitcoin, right? And now it's February. He bought it in February. He, he put in, you know, a hundred thousand dollars and now it's worth whatever. Right. So if he only, if he sold, I mean, this is the question, if he did not sell that, but the value of it increased 158%, is there a tax on unrealized capital gains? No, it would be when it is actually traded, okay. and that would all be in fractions, you right. know, according to what you're trading so, it for or selling it for. So my point, not my point, but what I was getting at there was that it's business as usual as far as investments as well. Correct. I mean, there's nothing different. The The big difference is, is you cannot go into Starbucks and say, hey, I've got this Apple stock, and I'd like to pay for my <laughs> Starbucks with that, right? And you can't take, like, technically you can't pay in gold, you can't pay in silver, but yet companies are beginning to let you pay in Bitcoin. That's amazing. Well, Yvonne, it's been extraordinary as usual. Thank My, you for spending pleasure. the time with us. And we love to talk maybe with your friend if they would be willing to have them on the show. And I think that would be really, really cool. So we hope that we can have that opportunity as well. Happy to educate on tax anytime. Yes, and the IRS will be sending you that information as well to educate you. Mark, thank you for connecting us with Yvonne again. This has been great. Find us at thehousinghour.com. We'll see you next time right here on The Housing Hour. That's The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know, so come here to find out. Also, check us out at thehousinghour.com. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.